0: Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I hope and trust that you are all well. Before I get started, I would like to give a very special shout-out to the reform members of Back to Ashes. Tavia S., Tina Mead, Cindy Cleveland, Patty's niece, Samantha Place, and Interscare Wifey. And the rest of the membership can be seen right here on the screen. I thank you all for supporting Back to Ashes. If you would like to become a member of Back to Ashes, and if you like what you are hearing, you can buy me a coffee, as that does support me and the channel. All of that information can be found in the description below. With all of that being said, it is time to go back to ashes. For when we arise from the ashes, we are a bigger, brighter, stronger, and happier person in the morning. Sit back, relax, kick back, grab a snack, or tuck in and get warm, and prepare for this dose of vocal melatonin entitled, True Trucker Stories. Right after this intro, and ad will play, I'll read the first story, another ad will play. After that, there will be no more ads within this video. I was at a truck stop in Arizona. I was pulling through the fuel island, and right as I was about to leave, 15 cop cars came flying into the parking lot with a SWAT van. They surrounded a truck that was already parked for the night. I heard later that the driver had lost a tire or something off his trailer, and it had killed a guy on the side of the road. Don't know how true that story was, but it sounded possible. At the old Flying J in El Paso, I had pulled through the fuel island and was filling out logs and whatnot after filling up, when someone started screaming, help on the CB. It's not unusual to hear kids around or whatever, but this sounded like a full grown man and didn't sound fake. It only happens for about 15 to 20 seconds, and then silence. Some people started asking the guy where he was, but never got a response. Suddenly, another big rig in the parking lot starts to take off right as a couple of cop cars pull into the truck parking area. The big rig takes out a smaller sign and then jumps a curb out into the service road for I-10. Turns out, a student got pissed at his instructor and stabbed him before leading the cops on a short, high-speed chase. This actually happened the other day, on a random country road in Tennessee. Pitch black darkness and the only thing around were fields, hills, and myself. I didn't see any houses. Anyway, I was getting really tired since the day before this I just flew from Washington to Atlanta. I was driving from Atlanta to northern Indiana, and out of nowhere I see a dog in the grass. And normally this is fine, but its eyes weren't glowing from my headlights, which for some reason really made me feel unsettled. Next thing I know, it charged for the tire of my trailer, snarling and barking. Thank God I didn't hit it. And I looked back and it was gone. As bad as it sounds, even if I did hit it, I probably wouldn't have stopped because I was in the middle of nowhere with no cell service. I've heard stories of people finding some way to get people to stop in their commute in the middle of nowhere, just to rob and or kill and hurt the driver. It was midnight and I wasn't going to take that chance. Myself and two friends had a drive from Laredo, Texas to Baton Rouge, Louisiana one night in my Ford van. It was about 2 a.m. There is a particularly long and dark section of highway just outside Laredo. No buildings, towns, or lights for about 50 miles. I was in the right lane coming up on a truck and pulled out into the left passing lane. As I was slowly overtaking this long truck, my peripheral vision caught a sudden movement of this big truck towards the right shoulder. I saw the truck was swerving to avoid hitting a person dressed in all white and white face whose arms were folded across the chest and eyes were closed as they walked across the highway. I swerved to the left and barely missed this ghostly looking person with my passenger mirror. I can still remember seeing that the eyes were closed. That's how close we came to hitting this person. My mother is a trucker. This is her story. She was driving through Arizona when she saw what she thought were leaves blowing across the road in the distance. This puzzled her since there's mostly pine trees in northern Arizona. When she finally got to the leaves, she realized that they were migrating tarantulas, thousands of them. There were so many of them that her truck was sliding on their guts so she had to slow down. She stopped at the first truck stop and told her co-worker to fuel up. He was sleeping at the time. Because she wasn't going to step foot outside after what she had just seen. Her co-driver was pissed since it was technically his time off, and he thought she was crazy. Until he saw the tarantula guts and legs caked inside the wheel, well, of the truck. She's also outran a tornado in the Midwest. She was about to pull over and take cover until she saw another big rig that was parked on the side of the road get tossed a couple hundred yards like a toy. She called me and told me that she thought she was going to die and wanted her last words to be, I love you to me. She pulled off the freeway and got to a Walmart where she ran into the basement where all the staff and customers were taking shelter. After the tornado passed, They stepped out of the basement and into daylight, since the Walmart was destroyed. She has many more stories like this. Trucking is 90% boredom, 10% insane shit just like this. I'm a long-haul truck driver, so I'm no stranger to the States. And I've seen things that I can't explain, but this is by far the weirdest thing to ever happen to me. So, I was driving through Arizona, heading westbound on I-40. I had finally hit Flagstaff and go out at a truck stop and handled my business. As I left from Flagstaff, I ran by mile marker 185. It's about 10 miles from Flagstaff, Arizona. As I passed mile marker 185, There was what seemed to be a person hitchhiking. The only person was this guy was huge, like eight feet tall huge, looking straight into the passenger window of my semi-truck. On top of that, it seemed to be as wide as the truck from shoulder to shoulder. I passed the hitchhiker at 70 miles per hour, or so I thought about half a mile down the road, I saw the same exact person, or thing. Once again, I passed it, but once again… This kept happening even 20 miles down the road to mile marker 165. I saw it every few miles. After I passed mile marker 165, I didn't see it anymore, so I thought I was done with it. But I was dead wrong. I got down to mile marker 145 and had to take a leak so I pulled over on the side of the road to handle my business. I was about halfway done when I heard an ear-piercing scream mixed between what sounded like a deer and a human. As soon as I heard it, I started looking around and just outside the halo of my headlights, I saw it. I was never more confused and scared in my life. I tried to figure out what it was when I heard something flying through the air. Suddenly, I heard a thump, thump and sitting three feet away from me was a huge rock the size of a basketball. It had to have been at least 80 pounds. That thing threw it at me, and it landed three feet away. I wasted no time trying to hop back in the truck and get away from whatever that thing was. As I passed it, it just stared me down, and I never saw it again. Can someone please tell me what I encountered? For the last seven years, I've been a bull hauler. I've seen some messed up stuff having to do with cattle, but the scariest thing that ever happened to me was on a trip to East Texas. I had just left out from around Austin and went up to just north of Amarillo to kick them off at a feedlot around 600 miles for the trip. I was feeling pretty good so I decided to turn around and come on back to the cattle company instead of taking my break. I called dispatch and he gave me a cell barn to go pick up and bring back to the company. When I got back, I was pretty wore out, but they told me that a truck hadn't broken down, headed to Texarkana, and he needed me to go and get the cattle. I thought, sure, I can do this. I made it about an hour from Texarkana, on a little two-lane Texas back road, talking to a friend of mine on the phone to try and stay awake when I fell asleep. I remember hearing my friend yelling my name and waking up to just find myself off in the grass, with a cowboy on a horse right in front of me, roping a calf. He roped, dallied off, and turned to face me, and just as I hit him, he disappeared. It was a hallucination. scared me so bad I was wide awake the rest of the trip. I used to think being outlaw was me being a badass. I'd run 1,500 to 2,000 miles with no sleep and just call it another day at work. I realize now that it was just me being stupid and putting myself and innocent people in danger. A good friend of mine told me this story years ago. He is a stereotypical old big bad trucker. I've seen some weird stuff with him while driving in South Texas along the border. He never batted an eye, but while telling me this story, he had goosebumps and a concerned expression, which from this guy is about the equivalent of a trembling lip and shit-stained pants. I'll tell this story in the first person as he told it to me. Years ago, in the late 90s, I was on my way from the house, Central Texas, heading to Laredo to pick up a load. It was early morning, around 4 or 5 a.m. I had just come off a string of days at home, so I know I wasn't tired. I am on one of those two-lane winding roads in the absolute middle of bumf nowhere when I see something on the side of the road at the edge of my high beams. At first, I just thought it was roadkill, as is usually the case. As I get closer, I see that it is roadkill, and there's someone crouching over the deer's carcass. I remember thinking either this guy is taking the antlers as a trophy, or he's sick. As I got closer, I could now see that this guy's eating the deer. He's pulling chunks of meat from the stomach and bringing them to his face. At this point, he stops mid-motion and looks up at me. Not at my truck, but dead at me. He or it stands up, and that's when I see that it's huge, brown, and covered in hair. I remember thinking at this point, Oh This thing is standing on the tiny shoulder looking at me. By this point, maybe three seconds have passed, and I'm about to the point in the road he's standing at. I didn't even think of stopping. In fact, I'm starting to lay on it and get the hell out of there. As I'm passing it, it looks at me. Again, not at the truck. It's looking through the driver's side windshield at me. He obviously has the intelligence to know that there's a driver in here and knows where I'm sitting. As I start to pass him, I can still see its head above the hood of an old needle-nosed peat which is an old truck design where the hood goes straight out from the windshield, known for being tall and difficult to see around. This thing is giant. I remember seeing what looked like human intelligence in its eyes. It scares the shit out of me, still to this day. My dad told me and my brothers this story when we were growing up and it's always stuck with me, particularly on long drives when I'm feeling a bit sleepy. The first time I remember hearing it was after I asked him if angels were real. I was probably seven or eight years old. He drove trucks decades ago, before I was born and before labor laws around limits and breaks were more standard. I am assuming it's different now? He'd fairly regularly accept calls that would extend his shift to where he was driving 24, 36 hours or more without a break, longer than a quick bathroom or fast food stop. My dad has a pretty mathematical brain. He's the type to make up logic puzzles out of something totally mundane just for fun. Whenever we were driving around town, he'd regularly ask me things like, How long would it take us to get from home to the store if we were going 30 miles per hour, but had to stop for five minutes in the middle because a family of kittens were crossing the road, etc. He'd come up with similar equations for himself while he was driving solo that involved things he was seeing, like the odometer, mileage markers, the time, and he could test his speed based on the equation, etc., One night after having already driven a particularly long day, he noticed his eyes getting droopier and the whole roll-down-the-window-and-blast-the-music-up thing didn't seem to be helping much. It was a rainy night on a pretty, windy mountain road without a shoulder to pull over for safety, so he started doing those logic games out loud to keep alert and awake. He was saying something to the effect of, I just passed mile marker 146. So what time will it be when I reach 200 if I'm doing 55 miles per hour? Then he closed his eyes, took a deep breath, and felt his head do the nod-jerk thing which woke him up with a gasp. He opened his eyes to see he was driving straight towards mile marker 158, which would have sent his whole truck tumbling down the random-ass mountain ravine. He was able to correct the course safely back but it was a matter of seconds between that reality and certain death. He insists to this day that he slept through 12 miles of windy mountain road going 60 plus miles per hour, only to wake up right at the last moment between life and death. The story usually ends with him tearing up saying, I don't know if there's angels, but I know there's something bigger going on in this universe than our human brains have been able to understand yet. If I wouldn't have woken up right when I did, you kids wouldn't be here today. And that's something that feels pretty close to spiritual.
1: You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
0: This is my father's story, and he wasn't a long-haul trucker but rather a 18-year-old gas station attendant in the late 70s, and without a certain long-haul trucker, I probably wouldn't be here. The gas station was 24 hours, and my dad was the only one working the night shift. 11 to 7, I think. A guy comes in and just gives him the creeps. Seems sketchy. He was wearing a tight jacket and pants, and you could tell he had something in his pants under the jacket. It was during the summer and was warm, so why was he wearing a jacket to begin with? It was later confirmed he was on drugs. A lot of truck drivers used this station, as it was the only one open 24 hours for a long stretch of the highway. They also had a big lot where they let truckers park and sleep or take a break. On this night, at this time, it was just my dad, sketchy dude, and one trucker in there he kinda knew as in, came in frequently enough to be conversational and ask if he'd stay in the station and hang out until sketchy dude left. Well, after looking at the stocked shelves for several minutes while sneaking peeks at my dad behind the counter, the sketchy guy eventually looked fed up and got into his blue car and sped off. Cool trucker guy hung out with my dad a little longer, until another couple of guys came in to use the booths they had to eat a sandwich. I should also point out, this was pretty middle-of-nowhere, rural southeast United States and the 1970s. CB and landline was it. My dad only had a landline in a store. Dad did not have any protection or weapon of any kind on him. So, the hours passed and my dad had shaken off the paranoia, when all of a sudden, this guy in a car comes hauling ass into the lot jumps out and sprints into the store hollering he needs a phone. He didn't have a CB nor did he see a phone at the other station. He also wasn't familiar with the area and my dad's station was the first place he found. Calls 911 to report that he had walked in on a gas station 40 miles back, next closest station, to find the attendant shot and dead. No one was around. And the only other piece of information is that a blue car was speeding out of the lot when the trucker pulled in. Apparently, they eventually apprehend the guy in the blue car. My dad confirms it was Sketchy Dude from earlier in the night, and they charged him with murder and armed robbery. To the long-haul trucker who waited around with my dad that night, thank you, and I hope you're keeping it real. Not me, but my father told me this last week, about a couple years ago, when he was driving a road train here in Queensland, Australia. It was him and three other road trains, I think, and he was second in line. Some guy tried to overtake all of them before the overtaking lane ended. This lane isn't very long, about one kilometer, and they are few and far between along this road. Now, this guy had run out of the room by the time he had gotten to the truck at the front, and so he went off the road and rolled his car. The trucks all stopped and my father got out and ran towards the car, which was now on fire. The first trucker driver was much closer to the car than my father was, due to these trucks being a good hundred meters long. When Dad got there, the truck driver just had his hands in the air as if to say, F- this, nope. I can't handle this." What he had seen was the man, still conscious, flailing about in the car, burning alive. Dad didn't want to see something so horrid, so he didn't look, but he was still haunted by the fact a man was alive one minute ago, driving past him but was now in the burning car he saw ahead. The truck driver is still basically a basket case today, from what I've heard. He still can't get over it and feels terrible but it's definitely not his fault. Driving back from the road trip, someone tried overtaking my father again on that same stretch of road, not two kilometers away from the night before. There were police up ahead, and the guy was up to about 200 kilometers just to get ahead of Dad before the lane ended. So he slams on the brakes just before he can get seen by the coppers, and Dad says he barely braked in time to not send him flying ahead due to road trains having a much harder time braking than a car does. They get pulled over, and my dad abused the f*** out of this guy because he was still upset about the night before, and he sure as hell didn't want to see that shit again. And the guy acted like he had no idea what he did. I have never seen my dad afraid, but I could see in his eyes how scared he was when he told me this because the moment terrified him so much that he could have been the guy had taken another man's life that quickly. I hope that people can understand that trucks, especially road trains, don't have the same capabilities as cars, and you should know how to act around them and know how they work. To give some context. I'm a 16-year-old guy, and I go to Ephraim, Utah, every summer to do drum corps, and it usually lasts all summer. If you're not familiar with drum corps, in short, it's basically a professional marching band. We stayed on a college campus and had free days every Sunday to get to know the people in the corps and just to relax for a day before we had to go rehearse the next week. This took place last summer. This particular Sunday night, my section wanted to go stargazing since there's really nothing else to do in the middle of nowhere in Utah. People recommended we go to the softball field that was a little walk away from where we were staying. We all agreed to go there that night and planned on being there until 9.30 p.m. However, me and someone else from my room volunteered to go get snacks since we were planning on being there for a few hours. We started walking to the nearest gas station to get some chips and soda for the rest of the group. About halfway there, we noticed a strange white truck with its lights on parked right next to the sidewalk. It was too dark to see the driver, but we thought nothing of it, even if it was a bit unusual at this hour. We got the chips and sodas and began to head to the softball field. It was quite a walk from the gas station, so we were prepared to be walking for at least 15 minutes. When we were not even halfway there, we saw that same truck again, only this time it was parked on the opposite side of the street with its light still on. It was about then we started to get a little suspicious it was following us. We started to pick up the pace. We walked for a while and turned around to look to see if he was still following us, but he was nowhere to be seen. Then we started laughing at ourselves for being so worried when it was probably nothing. We were about halfway there when we were about to pass a bell tower right next to a parking lot. It was then we saw the headlights again, but this time he was driving pretty fast towards the sidewalk. Me and my friend didn't really know what to do so we kind of just stared at it until it actually drove onto the sidewalk and nearly hit the bell tower. At this point we started sprinting but the truck was not far behind. We took a shortcut to another side of the sidewalk. One, we were sure the truck couldn't get to. We ran the rest of the way back to the softball field without even looking back. When we got there, we told the other people in our section, and they told the staff the next morning. But nothing was really done about it, since the only proof of the truck on the sidewalk were tire marks. I still don't know what he wanted from us, or if I was just overreacting. But either way, it kind of spooked me. I didn't see that white truck ever again, and I hope I never have to. Mid-90s I went on a road trip with my son, and for some stupid reason decided to take a different route home than the one I had taken previously and was familiar with turned out the new route was a super desolate road. I specifically chose to drive in the middle of the night, so my son would be sleeping and there'd be less traffic. It's probably 3am and of course my piece of shit car breaks down. By some luck of the draw, I'm almost right in front of an abandoned roadside market and was able to coast into the parking lot. The windows are all boarded up on the market steam is pouring out from under my hood, and it was essentially the start of every single dumb chick breaks down in the middle of nowhere and gets hacked to death, movie you've ever seen. All of a sudden, I see headlights coming around the bend. I've been driving on this road for a couple of hours and had seen maybe two other vehicles the whole time. A truck driver passed, slows down, then I see the reverse lights come on in my rearview mirror. Deliverance banjo music starts to play in my head. The truck pulls up so our vehicles are driver window to driver window, and I see the driver is an older man, and he's just staring at me. He looks like the stereotypical serial killer you visualize. Long, scraggly gray hair, grizzled stubble, sort of crazy eyes. He motions for me to roll down my window. I'm just trying to look anywhere but directly at him and acting like I don't see him and everything's fine and dandy. Oh no, I'm not in any distress. Please ignore the steam coming from my car. I'm good. Thanks anyway. He backs up a little, parks and gets out of his truck, and starts walking towards my car. I'm thinking, this is where my son and I end up on a news story about bodies being found in the boonies when the snow melts. And he starts yelling, I'm not going to hurt you. Row down your window. I keep looking anywhere but at him while trying to give off strong. You don't want to f with me vibes. He gives me a disgusted look, walks to his truck and starts digging around. He comes walking back with tools in his hands, and now I'm thinking, Oh my god, he's got tools. He's gonna kill me and bust out my teeth and cut my fingers off so I can't be identified. He yells, Open the hood! I'm looking everywhere but at him. Open the hood. Let me see what's wrong. He's pissed. I'm scared shitless. But I reach down and pop the hood. He opens it and I crouch down so I could see him through the couple of inches where the hood is open. He looks up and we make eye contact. And I about die. He looks down and keeps doing whatever he's doing. He goes back and forth between his truck and my car a couple more times bringing more tools, some jug of something and other things I can't make out. After about 15 minutes, he closes my hood and yells at me to start it up. My car sputters a little, turns over, and then seems fine. He yells, be careful, there's a lot of weirdos out here. Then he gets in his truck, gives me one last disgusted look and drives off. My car made it home. My dad looked it over after I told him the story and deducted the guy who changed a radiator hose. My dad pointed out many times that the chances of me being struck by lightning were probably better than my chances of some random guy in the middle of nowhere in the middle of the night happened to be driving around with a radiator hose and the tools to replace it for whatever 10-plus-year-old piece-of-shit foreign car I'd been driving was... Story one, my trucking days were shit, but I got some good stories from them. Going south on I-75 in Georgia at around 3 a.m., I see this bright light, maybe about two miles behind me. Not only is it super bright, but it's on the interstate, and it's hauling ass. It's too big, too, and it's moving faster than anything I think I'd ever seen. Now, earlier that day... I had called the guy who taught me how to drive, and he is really, really superstitious about life on the road. He would tell me stories about how a green apparition chased him in Florida when he was pulling too many miles, all kinds of stuff. I was already spooked from that conversation earlier, so looking into my mirror and seeing this giant light flying towards me made my butthole clench onto the seat. This thing closes the distance between us and flies past me, probably doing around 120. I had the window turned down, and as it went past me, I felt this massive amount of heat. When it passed me, I could finally tell what it was. Get this. It was a hay hauler, a truck that hauls a trailer designed for hay, and the entire load of hay in the back was ablaze. I jumped in the CB and screamed, Driver, driver, your trailer is on fire. The trucker comes back in a surprisingly calm voice with, I know, I'm just letting it burn off. I figured if I go fast enough, I can keep my cab from getting burned. Story 2 I got my CDLA in 2003 and was immediately hired by a company called PAM. PAM. They pay shit, but it was a good place to cut my teeth as a greenhorn. Once you get your CDL, the company that hires you send you out with a driver trainer for a month to teach you the ways of the road. And my trainer was a guy named Charlie. I mentioned him earlier, really superstitious guy. Charlie was a maniac. Every three days I had to break up a fistfight between him and another driver and it was always over shit-talking on the CB. He would snort Flake too, and stay awake for a week at a time and drive non-stop. Flake is this trucker drug, a mixture of speed, ephedra, anything you can get that will make your heart rate go up, crushed and snorted. Then he would go home, fall asleep for two days in his chair, and piss and shit on himself. His woman didn't care, her house and bills were paid for and she didn't have a need or want. Oh, he had no problem getting BJ's from lot lizards either. He even offered to get me one over my birthday during the month I was out with him. At the Travel Centers of America, or TA, in Roanoke, Virginia, they had this all-you-can-eat steak dinner. He got me that and was trying to get me to accept a BJ. I was like, no, man, that shit is not for me. Lizard is an appropriate term for a truck stop prostitute. They are the lowest rung on the prostitution ladder. Anyway, I'm trying to get across just how wild Charlie was. Fast forward to the end of my month as a trainee. I'm in Jacksonville, Florida at my home terminal, and I'm going to have my final test to see if I'm worthy of going first seat. That's what they call it when they let you go out on your own with your own truck. What they do is they get another driver who doesn't know you, put you in the truck with him, and he has to go through all the motions, driving, backing, etc. One of Charlie's good buddies was there. His handle was Slow Hand. I can't remember his real name. And Charlie was like, Okay, driver, you're going to get your first seat test tonight. Are you ready? I'm like, yep. He has me disconnect the tractor from the trailer, and myself... Charlie and Slowhand drive to the Applebees. Strange, I thought I was getting my test. Don't worry, driver. You'll get it after this. Charlie said. It was at this point that Charlie and Slowhand start getting f- up. Charlie liked margaritas, and he starts slamming them along with Slowhand. We had a mill. About an hour and a half goes by, and these two assholes are smashed. We go out to the tractor. I hop in the driver's seat, and Charlie goes, "Okay, here's your test. All you have to do is get me and Slowhand back to the terminal, and you pass." I'm like, "Sweet." It's probably a seven-mile straight shot with no trailer. Piece of cake. So off we go. Slowhand is sitting in the passenger side, and Charlie is in the back digging around in the cabinets of the truck. Slowhand starts asking me about how my month has gone, what I've been put through experience-wise, yada yada. Charlie says, hey look. Everything becomes slow motion at that point. I turn my head to look, and Charlie has his giant Tennessee sausage out, and when I see it, he does the propeller move an inch from my face. It was a shock to say the least. Charlie and Slohan thought it was the funniest thing they'd ever seen. Slohan signed off on my paperwork when we got back. Welcome to Trucking. Story 3. Around 2007-2008, I was a trucker, and it was about 2.30 in the morning in Georgia. I was in the sticks about 100 miles north of Atlanta on I-75, and I was alone in a dropyard for trailers. I was there to drop off my current trailer and hook up another one. All I had to do was go pick up my paperwork from the mailbox and go. I loved shit like this. No bullshit. Load is ready for me to pick up. No waiting around. Great. Now, my entire life, there has been this weird phenomenon that has followed me. You know those halogen streetlights? I would say about 60-70% to of those lights I walk under will go dark. It's the strangest thing. If I walk down the street at night, it's not strange at all if every light I walk under goes out. And when I walk away from it, it comes back on. I walk the streets in darkness. I have no idea why it happens. Anyway, back to Georgia. I've dropped my first trailer, backed under the trailer I'm picking up, got my paperwork and I'm raising the landing gear. I'm standing under a big street light. And guess what? Mm Mm-hmm. It goes out. No big deal. But I say loud to no one in particular. I wonder why that always happens. At that point, the craziest thing that has ever happened to me in my entire life happened. A calm voice from about three feet away said, Show of respect. A voice. No one was around for miles. I was in the middle of nowhere there was no one there. I heard it, plain as day. It was a man's voice. It wasn't loud, scary, or intimidating. It spoke very matter-of-factly, show of respect. I freaked out, jumped in the truck, and moved 80,000 pounds faster than I had ever thought I could move it. I'm not crazy. I have no history of mental illness except for my ADHD, and no history of mental illness in my family. I even tell the story to people because of the looks I get. This happened, and ever since then I've wrestled with the question, what does it mean? I was driving between Melbourne and Albury very late one night on the Hume freeway. For the non-Aussies, that stretch of the Hume is very wide, flat, and straight, so it's boring and hypnotic, especially driving alone at night. It was the middle of summer, so I was surprised to see little wisps of fog whipping through my headlight beams. But then, the smell of burning plastic hit my nose, and I realized it was smoke. Up ahead, there was one other car on the road, and I could just see a tiny yellow light on the back like a candle flame. Worried, I sped up to catch this guy, and by the time I reached him, his entire muffler was on fire. I flashed my lights and honked my horn, trying to get his attention. Just as I drew up alongside him, I saw him turn to look at me, and then a huge gout of orange flame burst out from under the car and licked across his driver's side window. Needless to say, he pulled over in a big hurry and I pulled over about 50 meters ahead of him. I jumped out from behind the wheel and sprinted back to him to make sure he was out of the car and safe, then back to get my phone and called emergency services while running back to him. It was less than a minute since he'd pulled over and the entire car was a fireball. I asked if he was okay and he said yeah, but his phone and wallet were both still inside the car. I let him use my phone to make some calls and gave him all the cash in my wallet, which wasn't much at the time, and finally continued on my way once the firefighters and ambulance arrived. Let's just say I was wide awake for the rest of my drive. My dad used to drive trucks, and he used to tell a story of his scariest time on the road. I'll try to do the story justice, Dad. He was driving up the side of a mountain that apparently genuinely resembled one rip right from a Bugs Bunny cartoon. It spiraled up, has these rickety, flimsy metal guardrails that had smart cars been invented. They still would have not prevented even them from bolting over the thing, let alone a semi. It was insane o'clock, and my dad was super tired, but he wanted to push it so he could get home faster. What happened next woke him right the back up, so much so that if I recall correctly, he had to actually take an hour break on the side of the road just to collect whatever was left of his sanity. He was making his way up the mountain when on his radio he hears what he swore was, flying Frenchmen, followed by a whole bunch of hooting and hollering. My dad apparently wasn't confused by the exclamation for long, as mere seconds later, two full-sized, seemingly full-loaded semis, came barreling down the mountain, on each side of the road. My dad had to make a quick decision, cliff or rock face. There was hardly a shoulder, but it beat almost certainly crashing into the side of the mountain, so he did what he could to avoid them the best that he could and went for the bank. My dad said he turned the wheel as quickly but carefully as he could toward the extremely narrow embankment on his, did everything he could to avoid skidding, and nearly avoided the closest f- He apparently also narrowly avoided jackknifing the truck and the scariest part of all his own semi truck had tipped during the procedure. All of the wheels on the one side of his truck got air and he was sure he had just tipped the truck down a bloody mountain. also these two bulls could have a f- up game of chicken. In 2017, on one of my routes, I had stopped at Love's gas station in Emerson, Georgia, about 20 minutes outside of Atlanta. I had been stopped for about an hour, just resting and eating some fast food, when a woman came knocking on my door. I opened it and she looked homeless and pretty old, like in her 50s or 60s. I asked her if I could help her and she was like, I think we can help each other. And I said, how so? And she proceeds to proposition me paying her for sex, which I declined and sent her on her way. I continued to rest and eat and play on my phone for another 30 minutes, when someone comes to my door and opens it and attempts to rob me in a scream mask. It was obviously the old lady from before. I push her away and lock my door and crank it up. I assumed she ran off somewhere because I could no longer see her. After the truck was ready, I pulled off and started driving. Soon, cars next to me started trying to get my attention and honking and pointing to the back end of my truck. I pull over and when I came to a stop, I see someone jump and start running. It was that same lady. This crazy woman was hanging onto the back of my truck while I was driving. It was just a really, really odd experience. Not my story, but my best buddy. Freshman year was a trucker. His worst story was when he was going down to Georgia. Just a normal trip of diapers and baby wipes. He spent a good long day traveling with a man who was carrying a full load of gasoline. The trip was a week there, and my buddy and his gas tanker guy spent the last six hours on the road, together, shooting the shit through the radio and whatnot. After nearly a full day of talking, my buddy gets a call from the tanker guy, and my friend says the words ran his blood cold. Hey buddy, my brakes are out. My buddy gets on the radio, lets the other truckers know they try to cordon off the passengers behind him, while police can make their way ahead of him, clearing the road. My buddy loses line of sight as they shut down the freeway, as there is now a very large bomb with no stopping power barreling down a popular freeway. They get the all-clear to go ahead. The situation has resolved, and by the time my buddy gets to the emergency stop section of the freeway he sees that the entire section is now a 50-foot-wide crater. Metal and dirt were everywhere. But there was not a single injury or casualty save for the brave tanker guy who drove headfirst toward his death to prevent any others. I was driving north through the mountains of Colorado towards Pueblo, and it was my first time dealing with anything like the Rocky Mountains, so I was taking it nice and slow with my hazard on and in the right lane. This was in the spring, and there wasn't much snow on the ground, aside from a light dusting. I remember passing another truck pulled to the shoulder on my way up, nothing out of the ordinary. However, as I was heading down the mountain which can be scary as shit in an 18-wheeler, trust me. I saw the same truck I passed earlier fly by me in the left-hand lane. Now, being passed on the left, going downhill in the Rocky Mountains by another tractor-trailer is crazy enough, but what really makes this story is this guy's trailer brakes were on fire. He was pulling a load, could tell because the trailer was sealed. And if you know anything about trucks, You know there's only so much braking you're supposed to do before they overheat, and worse, catch fire. This guy's truck looked like a comet as he sped down the mountain at what I thought was a surely-to-be-deadly pace. I grabbed the mic to the radio and called out to him. Hey, driver, your brake's on fire, I mean literally on fire. After a few seconds of static. A rough and weathered-sounding voice comes back over the speaker of my radio and says, Cool as a cucumber. Uh, I know. And he disappeared around a curve. I never saw any wrecked truck, emergency crews, or even mention of an accident over the radio. I did see a discarded fire extinguisher on the ground at the base of the mountain, though. Just one of my many awesome stories as a trucker. Missouri. I stopped at an off-ramp to stretch out and take a breather. As I'm smoking a cigarette, a little girl from the same direction I couldn't figure out giggles and says, Hi mister. My initial reaction was, What the hell is a kid doing out here at this time? So I talk back and say hi. She then responds with, My mommy says you'll be okay, don't worry. Now utterly confused. I ask her what she means, no response, then suddenly I feel like somebody is standing next to me and it doesn't feel negative or bad. Just feels like somebody is right there next to me. Since it didn't have a negative vibe to it, I just finished my cigarette and left. Later on down the road, I realized that I forgot to fuel up at my last stop when the warning light came on. So, I scrambled to look at my GPS and find the nearest truck stop. I find one and set the course. As I roll up to the truck stop, my truck starts sputtering and I barely make it to the fuel line before the truck starts dying. I ran out of fuel right as I got on the fuel line. It wasn't until I was filling up that it occurred to me what the hell happened at my last stop. And unfortunately, dear listeners, that is the end of these true trucker stories. The material was running quite scarce. So, if you're sleeping, I hope Slumberland is treating you kindly. If you're awake, I hope you've enjoyed this collection. In the meantime, I'll read to you all soon. Have yourselves a good morning, a good afternoon, or a good night.